What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's today? Thursday. Cool. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Like I said last week, the days may be a little mixed up on the podcast distribution, but I will not forget you guys. We're here today with a wonderful podcast uh, with an individual that has a dog that you know I relate to a lot, and I'm sure a lot of you guys will relate as well. Um, she reminds me a lot of Lakota. Like, hey. I don't really like dogs. Uh, I'll tolerate them. I'll be around them. I'll be neutral around them. But if a dog comes up and gets in my face, like how do we handle these situations? How How is it appropriate? Why do these things happen? And how to make my dog successful? And is it possible for dogs like this to be really playful with other dogs? And that's what we're going to go over here. So this is a wonderful podcast about peeling off layers about yeah, it's possible that your dog is going to be really friendly with dogs, but at the same time, it also is very possible that your dog is never going to play with another dog and you just have to do the best to advocate them and how to do that. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my friends over at We Feed Raw. If you guys saw it on my social media, on Instagram, as well as on YouTube, you saw my I'm excited to work with them. <clears throat> you guys know uh, I've been feeding raw now for a very long time. It's what I recommend. Uh, we Feed Raw gives you an opportunity to deliver a raw food diet specifically for you and your dog delivered to your door. And for your first meal, you can save 25% off by using my code NBD25. The link is in the description below as always. Again, guys, I never work with people that I don't think that are going to be beneficial to you guys. And I'll never work with a company that I don't personally recommend or use. And so, uh, you know, I've been feeding raw for, for a long time now. And as you guys know, Thompson, maybe you don't know, my old dog, Thompson St. Bernard, he lived until he was 12 years old. My other dog lived until she was 18. So the ad has been over. That's done. I'm just letting you guys know that, you know, as I uh, grow as a creator, um, it's, you know, I, I spend a lot more time uh, creating content for you guys than training dogs one on one every single day. And so um, working with different partnerships helps me continue to make cr- content for you guys and, and focusing on the production and focusing on putting out these podcasts. And so, uh, but again, I'm not going to just throw in CBD ads at you. <laughs> uh, we Feed Raw is a company that. Um, I'm starting to use now and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it so far, but more than that, 
It's a raw food company, and I've been devoted to raw food, and it's made my clients' dogs and my dogs significantly uh, better and improved many aspects of their behavior, their health, and longevity, which is very important. So, And you get some discounts. So link in the description. We're going to get into this podcast, and as always, whoa, sorry, guys. As always, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions at the end of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you have a specific dog training questions, me, we, I want wow, I always mess up on this, don't I, guys? You want me to answer? I always give back in the podcast. I appreciate you guys. I will do that. Or if you want to just drop me a review to help us grow, that would be amazing as well. Enjoy the podcast. So what's going on? So a year ago, well, last December, I rescued a female golden doodle. And I this is what I was told, that she was a puppy mill dog until she was three. And then my family friends rescued her from going to a kill shelter and so her second home ended up being a grandmother that had her locked in a bedroom and she was only let out at like six in the morning and six at night and where she was living there they also bred dogs but long story short had no socialization with other dogs i was told that she got in one fight with one of the golden retrievers that was pregnant And so, yeah, so I rescued her. I brought her home. She had a lot of issues with like, I was living with my brother with a lab and she was very possessive over toys. If she was in my bedroom on my bed and the other dog walked in, she would just like bark. So I instantly ended up getting a private trainer. Now I've had her for a year and she's the most obedient dog our family's ever had. Phenomenal. I mean, I can, she has 100% recall. I can call her off of a deer. We do a lot of hunting up north, high distractions, other animals. So she has complete obedience now. But now my issue is with other dogs. She does not know how to act. Like, and she's not reactive. And I don't know if this is my fault. And so when I first got her, my brother has a golden retriever. And when we first introduced them, his golden retrievers, a lot of energy, and we introduced them both on leash in a house, and they got into a fight. And I was like, not a full fight, but just like a scruffle. And I was like, okay, she doesn't like my brother's golden, but she's fine with my other brother's lab. So I was like, okay, that's just, she just has an issue with him. But now having her for a year, like I can tell that dogs stress her out like if they come up to her face meeting a new dog she'll grumble a little bit and she won't start a fight like when she met my other brother's very submissive lab she did a little bit of growling and then she kind of did the dominance thing where she stood over the lab because the lab just was like flopped over and now they play fine and then this past summer my sister got an irish setter doodle she's totally fine with that puppy they're best friends now they can rough play but meeting new dogs, I like she just doesn't know how to socialize with other dogs. And I don't know the foundation of how to introduce them right. My trainer that I have right now, she just keeps telling me that I have to take her on pack walks with the new dog. But like that's not completely realistic. Like if I want to go ice fishing tomorrow and there's going to be other dogs there, I know I can have her on leash and I can completely control her. But I don't know when I should be correcting her. Yeah. That's a fair question. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't yeah. know if she's allowed to growl or what. So yeah. that's where I'm at right now. And it's just sad because I have a phenomenal dog that is super mellow. She's lived, had a complete, a terrible life for the last, for, for 
for her first four years and now she's very obedient but i can't take her anywhere because i don't and i also don't have oh and she did so she did get in one fight with that golden retriever because we did a lot of training and they she got comfortable with him and then they got into a fight and it was totally my fault because she was comfortable with him but she wasn't comfortable enough to rough play and so they were playing it was all right and then all of a sudden it turned into a fight and she got a hold of his nose Mm. so ever since then i just have not been confident in her and like i don't know what she could do but she's not reactive like i'm pretty sure if i i don't know the behavior of dogs enough but it has to be coming from fear and just not knowing because i can walk by another dog and she won't even look at the dog she doesn't want anything to do with them yeah so she she kind of sounds like my dog lakota a little bit where it, so if you have a dog that so so there's dogs that like to be social and by social life I shouldn't even say that because socialization is is really defined as like being neutral and being around other dogs but there's some dogs that really like to be playful with other dogs they really enjoy mm-hmm. playing with other dogs there's dogs that you can trust with like a hundred percent chance that this dog is going to love every dog that is also willing to play and those dogs are out there and they're great but they're not as common as i think people would like them to be we just want them it wouldn't it would be nice if everyone just got along wouldn't it and it just it yeah. just doesn't it doesn't work like that so if you have a dog that you know your dog is neutral right so it's like i the same thing with lakota i can bring her anywhere and she's going to ignore every dog She's never going to look at a dog and bark at them. She's never going to look at a dog and go after them. She's never going to growl at another dog. But if another dog that she doesn't know comes up to her, that's where she may have a problem. And it's not consistent. And I couldn't tell you exactly what makes her like a dog and what doesn't, only because I'm not interested in trialing a bunch of dogs I don't know into her face to see what happens. So. So I would say that the way that I handle, so first of all is it's okay for your dog to be like that. It's not a, it's really just an inconvenience, but to be honest with you, it's an inconvenience that's predicated off of the public. Um, because if you wanted to go ice fishing or you wanted to go downtown with your dog, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to walk downtown. You're going to go ice fishing. Your dog's going to be in a leash. You're going to be good. You're going to have a great time. The problem is, is when another off-leash dog that's in the scenario that you're in just comes wanting up to your dog and says, hey, let's play, and then your dog may or may not have a problem with it. And then it's frustrating when things do go south, but it's also almost frustrated when they go good and you're like, well, that could have went bad, so where's the owner and what is going on? So this is a common thing. And again, like my dog Lakota is the same exact way. She just doesn't – and she's hit or miss. Like I've brought in – I've brought in some dogs, like my assistant had a puppy. And when I brought him over, I had them met through the fence and she loved him. And he was like 15 weeks. I mean, he's a young puppy and she loved him. And they played like gangbusters throughout the house. And it was like, you know, but I had, I have this, it was like, this is either, she's either going to want to play or she's not going to want this dog in her face. And that was it. Yeah. And if it's, I don't want this dog in my face, then we don't push it. 
That's it's kind of like I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like I don't know. It, it it could be anything from going on a date and you're like, yeah, it just didn't work, or going to a house that you're interested in buying, or going to a truck that you're interested in buying, or and you're like, I don't really like this. I'm not going to come here yeah. again. I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to submit to this. Like this isn't something I would go all in it. Right. So, but then there's yeah. other places where you're like, I love this. This is great. This makes sense. This makes me happy. This makes me joyous. And so some dogs like certain, th- so some dogs will be like too much energy, get out of my face. This makes me upset. Or some mm-hmm. dogs will only like females or males, or some dogs will only like submissive calmer dogs. And so, um, it's really up to you to, to kind of find the variable of like, she's really good yeah meeting dogs off leash or she's really good at meeting dogs under X. But for an example, like with Lakota, my dog, it was, I'm going to have them meet through a fence and it's literally going to go one way or the other. That's it. She's either going to be hackles are going to be up and she's going to immediately dismiss the dog or she's going to put her tail down and like wag over and be really excited. And I can see the energy is buzzing between them. And then I'm like, okay, this can work. So, I think it's more about how do you manage other people's dog around your dog is kind of more of the challenge, unfortunately. So I, I, so that's the first thing I would say is like, you're in a perfect situation to be in as far as like what that, that I think that this is what every day, I think that normal, I think this is normal. And I think the majority of people out there have this thing where they're like, yeah, my dog's really not mean or aggressive, likes everybody, but she just he or she just doesn't like other dogs. And really what it comes down to is just forced interactions. And it's so natural and normal for dogs to go through these things. Like if you were to see street dogs interact with one another, it's going to be like, hey, who are you? This is who I am. They sniff each other and then they likely will move on. Um, or mm-hmm. they, or they might growl and then they get into a little tuffle and there's fur being spit out and they move on again. And so I think it's a very common thing for dogs to get into these little like, th- because they can become very possessive and they can become very nosy. And then there's, there's some dogs who live in different, like with people, there's some dogs who never really get a chance to see other dogs. And so when they see other dogs, they're kind of freaked out. And then there's other mm-hmm. dogs that are like, they were raised in Central Park and they were also taught that it was okay to literally sprint up and get into any dog's face. And then they do that to a dog like your dog that's been left in a in a room for whatever however long and they're like they're not socialized and they're not desensitized and they don't know how to handle these situations. Right. So anyway, I think what you should be more focusing on is because here's the problem. The problem that you're having is other people's dogs coming up to you while you're out. And also the other answer that I think you you should, you're, you're searching for is how do I properly introduce her to other people's dogs, your brother, your, your, your other family members, except people who are going to be in your life that you're like, let's see if this works. I think that that's really what. And I will say, so she got in that fight with the golden retriever last winter. And then that's when my training went transition from obedience to like, Hey, I need to figure out how to socialize her with my brother's dog. He's going to be here for Christmas. Like we're mm-hmm. going to be together. These dogs need to be together. And I will say we're at the point where both dogs will be on an e-collar and like we can have a bonfire out back and they both will be completely fine. Like 
she's gotten to the point where she's comfortable enough with Copper. But the thing is, I'm not confident. Like, she'll, he'll be playing with the other dog that's here. And, like, she wants to engage. But I recall her back because I don't trust her. Like, I think, I don't know if she's completely comfortable enough with him. So, if Mm -hmm. they start playing, and I think that's why that fight happened. Is they were playing. And then maybe he tried to mount her. And she got scared. And it turned into a fight. And so, it's almost like me. Like, I don't know if I'm hindering her because I'm not confident enough to let her play. And, like, if that's bad, then I recall her off of him. But, like, she's good with Copper now. Like, she's never going to initiate a fight. It's, like, maybe, like, a little grumble when he first walks in, but it's all wet, tat, like, their tails are wagging. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's just kind of like me. Like, I don't know if I'm bringing the tension on because I don't know the foundation of, like, what's right, like mm-hmm. you said. Like, I don't know the right protocol. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's normal too. It's totally normal. Like I get like, if I I'll give you an example, if I walk Lakota around my neighborhood, it, recently this had happened where somebody, you know, basically the young little kid had a little dog on a flexi leash and the dog just kept getting closer. And Lakota, she's been around and desensitized to so many dogs that dogs coming up to her and get close to her is like not a big deal. But like if they literally physically get into her face, she's got to handle it. And typically I'm working with her when this happens. So it pisses her off. Cause she's like, she's trying, she loves the ball. She loves the tug. She loves playing fetch. She's obsessed with it. It's literally why she is born. Like it's her whole life. It's all she cares about Mm -hmm. is that, is that ball. So if I have a ball in my hand, which is what I bring on walks with me just to give her something to do because going for, she does not, she's not a pet. So going for a walk around the block is just aggravates her. (laughs) She's like, what what, what do we do? She's not like, she doesn't live that suburbia like life, right? She's not like, oh yeah, let's go for a walk with the family around the, like, no, she could care less about that. She just wants to throw the ball. So I'll bring a ball with her. But the other day, like this small dog, like kept getting closer and closer and so there was a point where the dog, the other dog got so close and the, because Lakota is so trained and ignores the other dog, people would just assume like, oh, this is okay. Because typically if you saw a dog that was barking at them or growling at them, then they would reel their dog back up. But a lot of people don't see mm-hmm. dogs like Lakota just walking around their neighborhood and they don't understand what's actually happening is she doesn't even care that the dog is there. And so, you know, there's just times where you have to physically like protect your dog and advocate for your dog. That's kind of a different story. But when you're introducing, you, you know, your dog, your, your dog to other people's dogs that are going to be around, the best way to do it is just go and and have that safety net of the fence or the safety mm-hmm. net of a muzzle for the antagonist, if you will, or the dog that'll actually, you know, get pissed enough to okay. to throw teeth. Um, and again, like dogs are dogs are animals, right? So they're gonna throw down in different ways, and it's totally normal for dogs to kind of have these little tussles. And it looks it looks like they're killing each other. It sounds like they're killing each other, but when really they're just kind of having a little tiff. They're just gonna snarl each yeah. other and show their teeth and roll around and and they're. And it's, you know, in my experience, aggressive dogs that are really trying to hurt another dog really is they're silent. They're not, they're just trying to kill. And dogs that are like really vocal about things typically aren't. Anyway, that's just, you know, typically or generally. So for you, it's like, I think you have two different splits here is when you're out in public, 
you do everything that you can to keep other dogs away from your dog's face because your dog may or may not like these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and that means just head on the swivel when you go places and advocating, you know, when other dogs are around, like you, you have to be the, I say this like air quotes, you have to be the bigger person sometimes where if there's, again, you go out on the ice and it's not uncommon for other people to bring their dogs out. And so you just like, you show up, you park and you get out and you see other dogs. You have to just make a decision. Like, how do I want to handle this? You know? And there's all these things that can roll through your head. And sometimes it's like, I'm just going to leave because you're not going to go up to a stranger and say, Hey, I brought my dog too. And I see your dog's having a great time, but like, I don't know how my dog's going to react. I mean, you could, but I just personally, I don't expect, you know, everyone to do things like that because it can be uncomfortable and you don't, some people may be like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. I didn't see you there. And then other people will be like, well, maybe you shouldn't bring your dog around if they don't like other people or other dogs. And it's like this whole thing. So, um, so, th- so unfortunately that's just how things have to go sometimes is you just have to head in a swivel and it sucks. And I would love to be, because if your dog just doesn't like strange dogs in their face and you go somewhere and you're, you're doing everything that you can to keep your dog with you. And then another dog comes up and there's a fight. Ultimately, I think in a social situation, unfortunately you are going to be the bad guy, if you will. When really you were doing everything responsibly and like had control over your dog, but there's just like this lack of education for most people that they don't understand. That's not okay to do. Like you shouldn't let your dog just run up and meet another dog. And I think depending on where you live and stuff, like there's certain environments where that's totally like that's normal. And then there's other environments where that's like really frowned upon. And so, yeah. And that's, so that's kind of my question to you is like, I mean, I guess you, you might've already kind of answered it cause you talked about your dog, but like, like my friends, like who we go ice fishing with all the time. Like they have, their mom's a breeder. So like every one of them ha- brings a doodle too when we go ice fishing. Mm-hmm. And so like, I know that there's going to be other dogs there and they all play together. And so is it just kind of like my dog doesn't like to play with other dogs. So she's just always, there always might be an issue or is, is there a point where like in two years I've socialized her enough that she knows how to act around another dog and she'll never fight? Well, it's, it's, I understand it, but the way that I'm looking at this is more about putting your dog into a situation that is more beneficial for you than it is for them. Right. Because you're going to say, I want to bring my dog ice fishing and there's going to be four other dogs there. And the, because you may never be able to get your dog to a point to like other – that's untrainable. You can't say like yeah. if you don't like olives, I can't train you to like – you just don't like it, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you bring your dog to a situation where she just doesn't like other dogs and in, in her – sorry, her face, his face, her face? Her face. Her face. Girl. Yeah, sorry. So if she if she doesn't like that, there's nothing you could do about that. So you can – but mm-hmm. here's the thing is like – you know, our board and train program, there's dogs that don't, they're there for dog reactivity that are kenneled up everywhere near each other. We bring them out and work them, but we don't ever put them in situations that actually is going to be super stressful for them, but they don't try to meet. Right. So, you know, in a perfect world, again, it's more about you being comfortable enough to have a conversation with those people to say, Hey, I'm going to bring my dog, but can you guys just like try to control your dog? Cause she just doesn't like 
the right. craziness. And so it's never going to be a point where you're going to show up and it's more of like a a relationship thing with your with those people. It's like, "Hey, can I yeah. I'm going to bring my dog. Can you guys just like not let your dogs run up to her cuz she hates that shit? Can we do mm-hmm. that?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, no worries. We'll 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 leash up the dogs." And you're good. And then mm-hmm. they coexist and they're fine and they can be around each other and you can have your cake and eat it too. But if another dog goes up to your dog, like that's where you just have to be. Pre- and, and there's there's things that we'll talk about in a minute that we can make for that to go better. But it's like when we have like there's personal protection and, you know, poli- police, but like police dogs is a perfect example. Like when you see police dogs, all get together for a monument or a parade or something. And they were to take a picture like they're all they're all separated so there's all these trained dogs that probably do not like other dogs, but they're all in one place because they all have control and an understanding and an unspoken, like, I'm not going to let my dog come up to your dog, period. Therefore, there's not going to be any problems. But then when you transfer into the pet world where you're just bringing your dogs because, yeah, they're going to have fun on the ice and it's a big open, basically this big open field that they can run around and be fun and be outdoors and it's a fun thing, but... At what expense are you going to spend the four hours on the ice stressing about dogs in your dog's face? And then this whole ice fishing thing that was going to be fun for you is no longer. And then you're like, I should have just left her at home because I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll bring her for a nice hike tomorrow or something. So yeah, you just have to like pick your battles a little bit. <clears throat> but I think the other thing I would say is, is it possible for her to actually be friendly with these dogs or at least not snap at them and start fights with them the answer is yes i just don't know like, I, I don't know your dog well and yeah and i don't know your dog well enough to say like what the triggers are or when she does react why does that happen because like yeah. you, like you were i think you were gonna say is like she can be friendly with these dogs yeah and she's proved that she can do it it's just more of a matter of like I think your job is to try to figure out what makes that successful. Like what, what it's time. I've noticed that Mm -hmm. it's time with her. Like she lives with this new Irish doodle and like, I mean, they're inseparable now they can rough house. I mean, they lay on top of each other. She never tries to be dominant over this dog. She's not possessive over toys. If my other, if the other dog comes in, she instantly is like running around trying to grab the tennis balls. Mm -hmm. If there's a new dog. So, like, she needs to be used to the dog in order to, like, be the good dog that I've seen her be with dogs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she needs that, like, full trust of a dog. Like, she doesn't yeah. have that. Yeah, and, and if that and if that's the case, then, you know what I mean? Like, your job is to kind of, like, figure out what those variables are and what – so there is a way. I'm, so Because there are dogs who just need, like, uh, a warm-up. You know, they need mm-hmm. this. They need this, like – thing to you know get get to warm up to these to these to these other dogs and and so there there's so many different ways that you can do it but that that is a way that you can say like all right there's going to be a group of dogs that's coming and you know you're just going to have to spend the first i mean it just depends on how how much you want to take it cuz for me like if you were to say Tom I'm hiring you for the day to come and see how we could make this possibly work i would say okay before I get there, we need to muzzle condition her um, because if she does snap at another dog, 
And I'm not saying like these little tiffs don't end up with punctures because they do, but I'm saying they're not trying to kill each other because that's not the case. They're kind of just like, you know, pun- punching like brother and sister type thing. Like I'm not going to kill you, but you know, you may need stitches. Uh, so, you know, muzzle conditioning is big because especially if these other dogs are like the dogs that are like, Hey, what's up? You want to play? And then your dog oh, just, are, yeah. yeah. Right. So you can't put them in that situation either. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, sent, you know, putting them into the wolf, the, sending them to the wolf, then like the wolf, then you don't want to do that. So they're like muzzle conditioning is really important. Um, and, and then the other thing is, is like, I would just bring like an X pen with me, which is just like a panel movable fence that we use for puppy training. And, you know, when you get there, just say like, Hey guys, like you're loading up in the parking lot. You got all your gear. You put your dog in this little X pen. Um, and then you just kind of let the other dogs interact could that create frustration and make things worse? Yep. But is it a safe, effective way to just kind of have these guys interact without you guys holding your breath? Yep. So it's just, you know, especially if there's multiple other dogs, she may like one dog and not the other. And so, yeah, you know, like your other trainer said, um, spending time with these dogs before you go out on the ice all day is is better. So like this pack walk type thing where you, where you say like, Oh, it's not really realistic, which I get. But at the same time, it's like you have a dog that requires time to get to know before you go out and, you know, like say, yeah, yeah, they're going to, they're going to be all good with each other. But even like, again, like with Lakota, it's, it's, it's similar as like, if I have her and she's playing with another dog and she has fun she's a very bossy kind of witchy girl dog. And so I have to also advocate and be responsible for the other dog because I know when Lakota's done, she's done. She's not like a pet. She's kind of like this edgy working dog that also has pet, you know, mentality. Like right now she's probably downstairs, like laying on the couch or laying on the bed sleeping. Like she's not this crazy crackhead, but Mm -hmm. she's still a working dog and she's still like, serious about some things so anyway um i I have to advocate for other dogs too when they come over once she's done and then the other dogs like catch their breath and they come up they're like all right ready to play again and she's sitting there giving them the death stare like i have to intervene there because there's no training like she's building she's sitting there she's looking at the dog she's tense she may even show her teeth and may even growl and the puppy or the other dog doesn't know what that means because they've never been corrected before Right. So when we look at like natural dog training with one another, like if we look at dogs interact with each other, it's going to take sometimes a correction in order for the dog to go, oh, that's what that means. So it's similar to how a human would correct a dog and why a dog is laying on a bed after they have played. One dog is done. The other dog Mm -hmm. being a puppy comes up the, and then, you know, Lakota would growl and then show her teeth and be tense. And then the other dog just keeps coming and then they get nailed and it would be a Mm -hmm. bark and growl and a pinch. And then the dog or the puppy would go and then run away and go hide under a chair and act like they've been killed. And then, and then after that, the puppy would then say, the puppy would then say, the puppy would learn that those, the, the growling and the teeth, like these are all, these are all things 
that if I continue to do like, so maybe, so this is what I've seen happen, which is incredibly helpful, especially for the way that I, the, the reason why I work with dogs, the way that I do is it's the most natural in sync thing with how they interact with each other. So what I've seen is after that incident had happened, the puppy will maybe like be timid to kind of go up to the dog and be like, is it time to play again? And then the Lakota or the dog would show their teeth and then the puppy would run away. And so the correction, yeah. won't, the correction never happens again because the puppy learned, but that one correction had taught the puppy that when I growl or when I, whatever, there, that's a warning of other things, right? So same thing with like how we train is if we say, Hey, come back and the dog is off leash or we say, Hey, sit, there's going to be accountability for that to then right. it's the same thing. So I just think you have to, it's more of a comfortability on like the people that you're around. I think people you don't know, you would just say, sorry, my dog's in training, carry an extra leash with you, carry halt spray, which is like a dog pepper spray, mm -hmm. do everything you can to keep other dogs away. And I, and, you know, working with the dogs that I do and have ha had personal dogs in the past that do not like other dogs and they will, f they will hurt, try to hurt another dog if given the opportunity. And we've been approached and I'm head on a swivel and I'm yelling and screaming and I'm kicking the other dogs away. <clears throat> and trust me, if I kick a dog to not come after my dog, the, the kick to warn the other dog, like, please get away from us is much <laughs> better than my dog getting a hold yeah. of that dog. You know what I mean? And, and as morbid as mm -hmm. that sounds, but we have to do everything we can to say, please don't come any closer. Like, I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. I don't want this to happen. I don't want there to be a dog fight in general. And so you just have to do literally everything you possibly can to get the other dog away for their safety and for their benefit. And yeah. it, it becomes life or death, especially when you get like small little dogs that are coming up to really big aggressive dogs that can kill them with a snap. You just have to oh, do yeah. everything you can to protect things. And it's a, okay. it's a chaotic situation that I would never want anybody to be in. Um, but it's inevitable sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, in your case, you don't know really. I mean, if another dog comes up, I mean, there's been times like with Lakota, what I would do if there's another dog that had come up, that's friendly and I can't really stop it because I know the dog is bigger. And if I try to block them out or I try to push them away or shoo them away or, um, scare them away, it's not going to work. They're like an 80 pound lab, but they're shaking their tail and they're so excited. I would just, okay, I'm defeated here. Lakota, who's that? Is that your friend? And I would just try my hardest to be like, this is a good thing, buddy. This is okay. Right. You know, you almost have to like hold up your ground and say, please get away. No, stop. Don't. And then once you're like, ah, screw it. I'm done. I've been defeated. Then you just have to make, you know, right. lemon okay. lemonade out of lemons, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like these other dogs that we're with all the time, like, they're all so socialized. I mean, their mom, like, mm -hmm. breeds, and she's a dog sitter, whatever. Does all this stuff. So their dogs are used to being with new dogs all the time. So, like, they don't have – I know that they're never going to initiate a fight. And if Toby does growl, it won't be a big deal. Those dogs aren't going to, like, hop on her. But I'm just wondering, like – because they did. I, I introduced her a couple weekends ago. And, like, is it okay for me to – like, cause Toby literally knows, like she'll growl and she'll just like be looking at me like, mom, I know I'm not supposed to do this. Cause I have corrected her for doing that, mm -hmm. but she just like, it feels wrong correcting her. Cause she's allowed to say to the other dog, get out of my face. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like that's all natural. And I watched one of your videos 
where it was said something about how like you want to just teach them to like disengage. So I wonder if like I should teach her like the leave it command of like Toby just like don't even like I don't know like I'm not sure in what sense like when can I step in and be like Toby you have you're going to be around this dog right now they're not doing anything wrong by sniffing you. Like but I guess you said if she doesn't like other dogs she doesn't like other dogs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a mood point. I don't know like Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Um I do. I understand it all. Um, but again, like you just have, like if she's laying down and another dog approaches and she growls at that other dog, like I wouldn't correct my dog. I would just make, no. sure, you know, I just make sure to get the other dog away. So uh -huh. you just have to, and, and I know, I know it's frustrating, but the more that you understand how normal the dog you have is, I think the less frustrating it's going to okay. be. I think you're going to be more frustrated with just and the public. Okay. And I, I totally, that makes a lot of sense because dog training has kind of been like a big thing in our family for the last year because I rescued her. And then my brother has two German shepherds that aren't trained at all, mm -hmm. very reactive. And so it's been this big thing of like, everyone needs to train their dogs. And then my dog isn't very successful with obedience, but then she snapped on the other dog. So it's like, oh, actually your dog actually stinks. So I'm like on high, I'm on edge now all the time. Like I put a decent amount of money into her. She is phenomenal now, but now I have this, I keep hitting this wall of like, mm -hmm. she doesn't like other dogs. And so I guess it's good to hear, like you said, that it's natural. Like there's dogs out there that just, yeah, I, it's just how it is. Like, I don't, I shouldn't care that my brother's like, your dog's a demon. She attacks other dogs. Like, I guess I just need to ignore that and be like, Hey, it's net nature. Like there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm not going to take her on the ice. If I know there's going to be five dogs, because if she's going to be stressed out, and we're going to mm -hmm. have to be in training mode the other time. She's not having fun. I'm not having fun. So she might as well go to my dad's and go on a hike with him. That's right. It's pretty much what you're telling me, right? Like, I'm never going to get her to the point that she's never going to be a golden retriever that wants to play with every other dog. Like, she's never going to be that type of. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say that that's never going to happen because I don't know her, but I would just uh -huh. say by what you're telling me, it's probably not going to happen and just understand that that's like, okay. Like I said, I think the biggest yeah. thing is, is it's an inconvenience. And I think a lot of dog owners are, I know a lot of dog owners are hard on themselves and they think that they're failing and they think that they've done something wrong and they think they just need to, you know, squeeze a little bit more money off for training. And the reality is, is if your dog doesn't genuinely like playing with other dogs and there's other dogs around that are trying to play with your dog it's always going to be the same outcome. So, okay. you know, it, it, like I said before, it, it's, it's, um, some people just don't understand, you know, like, um, uh, yeah. So I would just say like, but because of her lack of socialization, it's not completely out of the picture that you can't to try. Yeah. To restructure her the right way. So again, it's mm -hmm. kind of like if you have a person that's lived in a, hidden camp in the woods forever and then you bring them to mall of america or you bring them to disney world and they're overwhelmed you're not going to look at that person and be like oh you you gotta go back to camp you you really can't be around people can you ever and the, the, it's not it's not really fair to just say because it's a it's a completely polarizing unfair increment to go to that level yeah. so i would say that it is possible for sure for you to do it, but it is going to take proper steps, right? So that's kind of what you're doing though, is you're yeah taking a dog and that was locked in a room 
and then surrounding this dog with like all these other doodles that are like, let's play and it's too much. So you could do mm-hmm. it. It's just your dog may not know how to do it or your dog can strictly completely be in defense as well, where they're like, oh, is this, is, you know, it could be a fearful thing too. It's like, oh, is this dog going to, I got to get this dog before this dog gets me. So I don't really know right. if it's, I can't really say if it's possible for sure or not. All I know is um, it's it's a 50-50 shot. And, and the only way to really find out is just put in the work to integrate your dog into these environments safely. And then, and then there is a possibility of, if it's a confidence thing, you could build that up to where yeah. you're good. But if it's, mm-hmm. I just don't like other dogs, then yeah, you just have to manage what's around you. Okay. And so if I were to go forward to try and just slowly start introducing her to these situations, I know like for her, if I, like we were at a camp and I brought her and there was, I could just tell there was tension. I didn't have, there was too much going on. I couldn't spend all the time just focusing on her. So I ended up just putting her down in the basement. And like, I've realized like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to put a door between her and the other dog because it just puts her back into this like anxious dog of when I first got her, that's who she was because she mm-hmm. was locked in the bedroom. So I was going to ask you, like, would it be better for me to have like a baby gate that she can like see the other dog? Like, that's how I should separate her. Like, well, what you, would be the best way in that sense? Yeah, I mean, a baby gate's fine. But again, like it, to me, it, it'll really come down to what the other dogs are doing. Because if I yeah. if I came over to your house and I said, hey, I'm going to bring my dog who really doesn't like other dogs. And you're like, oh, well, my dog doesn't really like other dogs either. I'm like, well, we're just going to put the baby gate up. I know for a fact that my dog is just going to realize that I am talking to you and there's no work to be done. And she's just going to go find somewhere and lay down. She's not going to sit at the gate and paw at it and whine and bark yeah, and be hysterical, right? So that's going to work. But again, mm-hmm. like if you have your brother's dog over and your brother's dog is like really disobedient and un- unruly and barking and screaming and lunging and you know whatever it is, uh, that's mm-hmm. not going to work either. So my answer is that like it, it really just depends. Yeah, it has to be the situation. Yeah, and it just depends right, right, right. on like the other dog because it's like – your dog isn't set up for that yet. And so it, but, but again, like it's totally okay and natural and normal for, um, your dog to not, again, like if your brother's dog came into the house and was like going crazy and your dog's like, Oh God, here we go with this thing again. You know what I mean? And then that other dog comes up and just gets into your dog's face and your dog snaps. It's not like, well, your dog's aggressive. It's like, no, you, you as the dog owner, didn't protect your dog and didn't protect the other dog from a situation that you knew was going to happen. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know. Cause like, I mean, how you just explained what your dog would do, that would be my dog. Like she doesn't, she's not eager to go up to the other dog, mm-hmm. but she would just look just down. Could care so less, it, it yeah. Is, yeah. Like she's much more of a people pleaser than another dog. But yeah. So I guess I'll just, I'll like, if I want to continue to introduce her, like get the gate, like you said, and mm-hmm. just, cause I mean, my other brother has a lab, very submissive, which was the first dog she met. Cause I was living with him when I rescued her. And it's just so funny to me because they lived together for a whole year. Like her first year of being with me, completely fine. They were like inseparable. Now I'm, I live at a different place. 
Adam mm-hmm. comes over with Josie and she acts like she doesn't know her and like doesn't trust her anymore. I mean, she doesn't, she does a little grumble and then it's the end of it, but like she doesn't want to play with Josie. Like she doesn't trust her again. She wants nothing to do with her. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like she only likes dogs that she's with all the time is what it seems like. Cause now she has this new puppy in her life, loves her. So I just, I think I've kind of hit the wall of like, she doesn't want to make new friends, so I can't force her. Yeah. And, and I would even say too, to play devil's advocate is you don't know that she doesn't want to meet new friends. You just know that, you know, she likes certain dogs and other dogs she doesn't. And so the more you trial it, I think the more you'll figure out like, oh, this is the type of dog that she gets along well with. You know, like I know Lakota, my dog, like does well with puppies because she's Mm -hmm. met multiple puppies this last year and she did great with all of them. But like, you know, maybe another dog that's, it, it, it just, you know, like my, my in-laws have two Huskies and we'll go over there. And if she's like in play mode with me, like she wants to play, she won't even look at them. They will be hounding her and jumping on her and sniffing her and like so excited to see her crying. She won't, she'll act like they don't even exist. She's like, don't, don't even. And then if she gets frustrated enough, she'll turn and snap at one of them. And then they'll go, Ooh, okay. She's pissed. And they'll walk away. Um, so I think you just have to, you know, I, I would just say like, you should just try to figure out like what your dog is actually comfortable with. And yeah, that's what And just put the time in because like, I mean, I spent the last year with obedience Yeah, and I was like, Oh, I've made it. Like I've never had Hmm. a dog that's been so diligent to me, but now it's like, all right, now it's time to figure out this part of her. Like, Mm -hmm. like you said, what type of dog does she not like? And what can I do to try to help her out and figure it out? I guess. Yep. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say that. Um but again, like don't, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I think you just have to set up your your dog for success because there is, you know, the, the other thing is is again, this dog was really kind of sheltered. And so she didn't have an opportunity to really oh, yeah. under she doesn't understand like it could be a fearful thing where she's like, "Oh, or are you going to kill me or like what's going on?" you know, and I I don't know. I just think like, no, it's definitely that because I mean, before, I mean, before I even know, knew she was gonna fight, we would have friends and like they would bring their dogs over and they would be playing with my brother's lab, and like she, we we called her like the homeschooled kid. Like she would just sit down and watch the other dogs play and randomly like sometimes it's like a spurt of like bark. Like yep. she didn't know what to do with the energy. Yep. Yeah. Like it was too much for her. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um that's something that is something I think you could work with. Like I I really do. I think um, if she's interested and she's eager and she's kind of like, what's going on out there? I don't, I think she's just some dogs who just don't know how to play, even though they want to, or they don't know how to engage, even though they want to, they don't know how to be passive, even though they want to, because the other dogs aren't used to that bubble boy dog, right? The homeschool mm-hmm. dog, that's overwhelming. They they just like assume like, oh, you're just like the other dogs. I'm gonna run up to you. I'm gonna lick your face. I'm gonna be in your. F-. It's like the boxer energy, and you're and then the other dog just snaps because they're like, I don't know what else to do. It's so overwhelming. So again, like if if all the dogs that you've been pushing towards your dog are like that dog. You have no idea mm-hmm. what your dog is capable of yet because all of that is way too much energy to. It's like, yeah, 
never riding a bike in your life and then, you know, trying to enter the Tour de France. Like if you have a dog that hasn't been socialized, locked in a room, wants to play, but doesn't know how, wants to, you know, kind of wants to be social with other dogs, but doesn't know how. And then you just let the freaking bozos out at at your dog. It's going to be way too much. So I think you have a lot to work with as far as that goes. Like if it seems like your dog is possibly interested then that means it probably just needs to roll slow and you need to find the right dogs right. in order for that to to work. So yeah. start start with those like more low-key dogs at first is what you're saying. Like don't let the eight-month-old doodle that's jumping all over her only knows to play. Like start with the low-key dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're, again, like you're, you're, st- you're going from zero to 100. Yeah. You're getting the most rambunctious playful in your face dog and you're getting a dog that's like I'm not really sure how and how I feel about interacting with other dogs and I'm really nervous about it and then you're just letting those dogs out so yeah you need like that's why you know your other trainer kind of mentioned pack walk a pack walk will basically take those bozo dogs and say like hey we're gonna go walk together and it and again it'll move that momentum forward and she always talked about like them having a mission. Like yeah, momentum. Doing yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, not yep. And that's it. That's like what it's about is you kind of straighten everything out, right? So think about when you get a bunch of dogs hanging out with one another and it's this chaotic ball of energy, right? They're all kind of just like mm-hmm. balled together and it's like this, yeah. And that can create a lot of tension for dogs who don't know what to do with all that but then if you straighten it all out and you say hey we're gonna go do something with this energy then they're all like all right we're all walking i can do this and yeah it's a great way it's a great way to integrate dogs in because that way you'll know like you'll be able to tell like if your dog is neutral during that situation where she could care less about the other dogs that are two feet away from her you know that she's not an aggressive dog and she doesn't want to hurt other dogs um she just doesn't want to play the level that they want to play at and, okay. and that's okay too. And, um, and then maybe you'll pinch off like one dog that is like kind of chill and that you can mm-hmm. have that try to work. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's good to hear that. Like, it's not, it's not rare for a dog to be like this. Cause Mm-mm. I was just like, and it's not I your fault. Know, I, I, no, it's not. I mean, this is the first time we've ever rescued a dog too. And I was just like, I mean, I'm so glad I did. I've learned a lot in dog yeah. training. And I, honestly, it's kind of like become a hobby of mine. Cool. Like I've been able to help my sister train her dog just because like, I learned about the e-collars. I'd never known that world. And I've put a lot of time into it. Like, And I just now I like felt like I was failing her in a sense because I feel bad. Like all weekend I'm ripping on the ice with all these dogs. She's sitting at my dad's house like, yeah, she gets to go on a hike, but I'm just like, she has so much potential. But like you said, she might not even enjoy it. Like if she's just going to be stressed out and in distress and not playing with the other dogs, why would I bring her? Mm -hmm. Like she has a better life than what she had. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day. Like, yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I was like, I don't, I don't think that it's bad for you to just be like, Hey, you're just going to go hang out with my dad. Cause if I bring you over, you're going to be stressed. I'm going to be stressed. Right. Um, that's totally cool to do. Like I. Right. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. And then you also said how like, I mean, my trainer pretty much told me like the only time I should correct her, like when the puppy came, she's like, she's allowed to growl. She's allowed to like 
have her own space but like if she's gonna like show teeth for no reason like that's when you should correct her like do you agree with that like if she's doing like unnecessary growling that's so what so define define that so what context would that be in let's say i'm meeting a new dog she's wagging her tail the other dog is like just like sniffing her tail and like she all of a sudden like is really growling like not just a normal like hey give me some space but it's like aggressive growling like is that okay in your book because like what is that dog doing wrong sniffing her mm-hmm. when it's like hey toby like that's all right like you're allowed to let a dog do that is that how i should play it or it's like yes and no so really what you want to do is get out of the situation like your dog is saying like okay, okay. i'm uncomfortable now and then that's where you're like okay and then you and if it, if somebody else like has the dog that's where they would they would like pull the other yeah. dog away um but i think that would it, it's like it's a it's a kind of a tricky situation really um yeah. because your dog is basically saying like all right i've hit my threshold like i i'm right. i'm out i'm out and so instead of like running away your dog is going to say i'm uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable I'm uncomfortable. And that's when I would recall her. Like what yeah. I've been doing in those situations is I recall her and then the situation ends. And I didn't know if that was right. Like I didn't know because I yeah. talked to a different trainer and he's like, you need to give her the ground rules. Like she has no idea how to act around a dog. So you need to tell her, hey, you don't always need to growl at the dog, correct her. And I just felt like that wasn't right. I'm not going to sit there and tell her no on a pinch or with the e-caller when she's just stressed out. Like it yeah. felt, it didn't. It's a, so yeah. you're saying just that's your threshold remove it from that it's a fun it's a it's a it's a really gray area it's hard to answer because to be honest it's very 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 discretional um on the dog and the situation like if if it's a dog that's like if your dog is genuinely trying to figure out how to be a dog and another dog approaches or another dog is in the situation and then your dog all of a sudden gets uncomfortable and starts to growl my first thing would be like, all right, we're out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but sometimes, again, like if the other dog is off leash, you're going to have to correct your dog to not pursue to hurt the other dog as well. So it's a really fine line. And, it, and it's it's like, where the, where does that shallow end go deep? Uh, and mm-hmm. it, yes and no. Like, I would agree that your dog doesn't know how to act around other dogs and maybe some discipline from you to say like, what's appropriate and not is appropriate. But at the same time, like it's gotta, I gotta have a lot of context on it. It's not just a yes or no yeah. thing. I mean, like if another dog walked up to your dog and then your dog was okay and then wasn't, and then started growling and the other dog continued to do the act, that's where you would recall your dog out of there. Um, if your dog was presumably giving all, giving the other dog, like all the signals of like, I'm okay with this, I'm okay with you. And then all of a sudden started to aggressively growl. That's where maybe you want to say like, Hey, that's an, that's, that's rude. That's like, that's not okay. Where'd that come from? You were fine. And now you're not. Um, but again, like your dog's growling capabilities is to, is to tell you and to tell the other dogs that they're uncomfortable and to correct that may not be super fair because then your dog will stop potentially growling and just start snapping. Um, right. I haven't really seen that happen before, but it does make sense of why people say that sometimes, but, um, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I don't want to disagree with that comment, but I also don't want to agree with it because if a dog is naturally saying I'm uncomfortable, I don't correct that. But if a dog yeah, is being exactly. like gaslighting other dogs, essentially, 
where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, come over and play. I love you. Let's hang out. All right, now you're dead. Like that. That's like a warranted correction, I think. Um, but again, right. it's a slippery slope and you'd almost have to really, you know, look at it in order for for a direct answer, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that all makes sense. And I mean, I don't know. I'm going to see in the next few months, I'll work with her and try to figure out that variable, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of considered like the muzzle thing. But, like, I'm not going to put a muzzle on her and then put her in a situation where she's going to be stressed. Like, that's not fair. So I don't even know if there's a point to do that. Like, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the muzzle can also shut dogs down and it could it could compound things and make it worse. Um, right. Yeah. So it's – but, but again, like, the muzzle can also, like, just protect your dog and other dogs from snapping in situations like that where you're like, I got to let go of the leash because it's the only way it's going to be possible for my dog to actually do well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if she does have a bad interaction with one of the other dogs, I don't want the other dog to get nipped because they're just being goofy and friendly. So again, it's like this whole slippery slope. Yeah. You have to just, it's so weird. Cause like I went from obedience training where there's just solid rules. Like my right. trainer's like, this is what you do. Your clicker training her, da, 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 yes and no. And then now it's like, well, that's why I, I wanted to talk to you because it's like, I don't know the foundation of this part of that world. But like you said, it's all behavioral based and depends on the dog and this and that. So, right. And I think train, you know, obedience training is very black and white and, and behavioral training is not, it's very like psychology based and it's very, um, per, per dog, like obedience Mm -hmm. is sit is sit. If the dog doesn't sit, they're not sitting or go to your bed. And if the dog doesn't go to your bed, they're not going to the bed. So they are failing. Uh, and then right. like obedience is, or I mean, behavior is, is there's a lot more variables yeah. and moving parts and, 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 and it's like more realistic, which is why it's, uh-huh. that's why like putting obedience m- methodology over behavioral training is not only inhumane, but completely crazy, you know? So it's like, oh, if you, yeah. you know, if you are working with a dog with obedience and uh, they do something wrong or they do something right. This is how you would handle it. With behavior, it's a little bit more natural because you're just a fly in a – you're a human. You don't speak their language. You just have to watch to see what happens. And then you just try to have, try to figure out and narrate like, okay, this is what I think is happening. And the only thing that really helps you understand dog behavior is studying dog behavior. It's not reading books about dog behavior. It's not taking tests about dog behavior. It's not about thinking about dog behavior. It's about – putting dogs leashes in your hands and watching and doing it thousands of times to figure out like, this is likely going to be the outcome. And that's how I've learned all of the stuff that I've done is I just, that's what I, what I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Cause I also like, I've talked to my trainer about once I graduate college, I was like, I'd like to do this as like a part-time thing. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't, I never did like the training courses or anything. I just immersed myself into like apprenticing behind a guy and just watching, like you just said, she's like three years of just watching another trainer and watching dogs interact Mm -hmm. is how I gained my knowledge. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's it's also like it's important to understand that dog training and work and dog behavior like okay I should say uh dog 
behavior is more art formish than dog training because dog training becomes very, you know, single. Like it's like yes or no, yes or no, yes or yeah. no. And um, but dog behavior is more your, you know, your feeling, like your feeling of things. And like you can give somebody right. who has raw talent a guitar and shape them. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a good chef too. Like Rachel Ray, Guy Fieri, like none of them have stepped foot. Jamie Oliver, they've never stepped foot inside of a culinary school, but yet they're Mm-mm. some of the most popular, biggest, most successful, and also the 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 most uh, the the best at what they do because of like their natural inkling. And you know, th- those are just examples. But I'm just saying, like, there's so many. Yeah. I could, you know, musicians, it's crazy. The amount of musicians that we have that we all love and um, listen to and helps us get through things. None of, the, not none of them, but a lot of them were not traditionally trained. They just have this knack and then somebody helps them and teaches them and then they join as many bands as they can and they cook as many kitchens as they can and they become the most successful because... Yeah, they just understand it. Yeah, right. So same thing, uh, you know, dogs are like that. And so just remember that. I mean, you know, you can't learn a lot of things in, in books and you, and especially with like, same, again, it's the same thing with like, um, with dogs is like, it's so you have to just put yourself into the situation and understand it. So, yeah, I would agree. All right. Well, I appreciate the advice and yeah, I mean, that's what I needed to hear. It's just. Yeah, it's normal. Like you said, you're fighting society. Like, oh, your dog growls. Well, oh, they're a mean dog. That's right. not true. It's normal. Like, yeah. So, <clears throat> okay. Awesome. Well, good luck with everything. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye bye. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right, you guys, you reached the end of the podcast. So, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So glad to have found Tom. This comes from Stella in Texas. I'm so grateful to have found Tom. And when I was struggling with my newly adopted 13 month old dog, I found out. I was out of my mind with his bad behaviors and considering giving him up. Tom has helped me in so many ways. Me and my boy have come in incredible progress thanks to his YouTube channel and his podcast. Well, thank you so much. That's a lovely review, and I appreciate you, Stella from Texas, very much for um, listening. Appreciate it. Bell's Dog Training, five-star review, puppy crate training. I've listened to your first podcast live uh with your staff and it took i took so many notes and starting starting with my puppies i only my only question is i have an 18 week old puppy that she's doing amazing as a trainer as at training and she sleeps in the kennel at night and we practice going in and out throughout the day and try to just leave her in a crate when it's not time and tough love uh for her to cry it out but i've noticed when we are leaving for work i have a camera she is barking whining for an hour or longer do i leave enrichment in the kennel for her to do this as i play with her to get her tired i don't say anything to her when i when we leave and i try to randomize the time when she's in there um what would be the best next step um to try to get her relaxed into the kennel uh, and what would be more enriching or play i could do to make her time away for the better and um and the time away is only two hours at a time so if you have a dog that is whining like that it is really difficult trust me i know to have to sit there and and or look at them cry uh, especially for a long period of time and there comes down to a point where 
sometimes some dogs will just give it up and they learn like, okay, this doesn't get me anything. And then other times dogs have a really hard time because of separation anxiety and other things like that. So two things I would recommend is I would uh, be making sure that you're giving your dog a lot of mental stimulation before you leave for these two hours. So lots of um, games, lots of obedience, lots of uh, problem solving. So stop and goes, thresholds, anything that you possibly can um, to get your dog to to really uh, work. And then the other thing is, is, uh, and I can't really tell in your, your question here, but I would really be putting the dog into the crate more often and leaving, and I would be randomizing that as well. Uh, obviously leaving on uh, the TV. Um, and it, it is tough. There's really no like like, you know, your dog pulling on a leash. It's like when your dog gets insecure or nervous that you're leaving, uh, it can definitely, you know, cause them to be upset and to be, um, you know, missing you. So there's really nothing you can do other than desensitization and consistency and patterns and, you know, doing the things that it sounds like you're doing, like make sure you're not talking to her when you, when she leaves, making sure you're not making it a huge deal when you come back. Um, but also just, again, lots of stimulation and some white noise and some TV being played. And, um, you know, if your dog is also like good outside of the crate or potentially good outside of the crate, you guys know I'm big on crate training, but also too, you got to weigh out your options of like the dog being happy and, or like, if you let your dog out of the crate into an X pen, are they going to lay down and go to sleep? Or are they going to get into stuff? And if they're going to get into stuff, like there's really not much else you can do. If you're gone for two hours and your dog cries for an hour when you're gone, but if you let your dog out or you put your dog into a different environment and they end up hurting themselves or causing harm to themselves, it's just, you got to let them cry it out. And it's kind of for their own good. Kind of like a kid wanting to stay up at 1am to watch cartoons and they cry hysterically because they want to do it. And you're like, I get it. I don't want to see you cry. I love you so much, but time for bed, buddy. So I would just continue to work on it, um, and then hopefully over time it gets better. Um, it's I, I know that that's not like an exact answer for you, but that's the best you can do. So thank you for your review and your question. Next comes from GMCK93, learning so much. I really appreciate all Tom's insight into dog behavior. Uh, his measured approach and empathy for human and dogs alike has really helped me with my newly adopted rescue. Question, here's some background. I just adopted a five-year-old American bulldog pit bull mix. He became, or he came to the shelter uh, as a stray and spent two months there to my knowledge. And he's neutered at the shelter. He has a huge, he is a huge hunk of love and super great, but we did have some few quirks. We've only had him for a little less than a month, but we've noticed some behavioral concerns, specifically while he's pretty good with new people outside of the home and dogs off leash. He's quite leash reactive to other dogs. Seems like he's just very excited, but still. He has reacted poorly to new people entering the home. Uh, he specifically seems to be resource guarding me, growling, lunging, mostly men. He warms up with treats and time, but definitely a concern. He's an 83-pound big blockheaded dog. He uh, he came knowing only sit, paw, and we're working hard at obedience, but given him his age, he's got some some old habits. What are your top recommendations for settling, settling a new tone in early relationship with an adult rescue dog? What skills should I focus on? Thank you so much for all your great content. It's a great question. So if you have a dog that you have adopted, a lot of people, what what they want to do is just overload the dog with love and attention and because we feel bad for him, which is totally normal and totally understand it. I would want to do the same thing too if I didn't understand the repercussions of what that can create because some of the worst dogs I've ever worked with are dogs who have been 
again, neglected, abandoned, or abused, and then we take them into our home and we feel bad for them and we give them all love and literally and no boundaries, uh, no rules, no exceptions, just literally do whatever you want. And then it creates this this dog that really is like, oh, these people are finally treating me good in life, and but they don't know what they're doing. So it's like literally the perfect storm for a disaster. So it's like, I love these people, man, this is such a better life than everything else, but they have no idea what they're doing. So now you get a really protective dog and it's a nightmare. And so that's probably what you're dealing with is when people come in and it's inevitable. Like even if you're giving some boundaries and rules and regulations, um, you just have to put a lot of them on just to teach a dog like, Hey man, you don't drive this ship. I do. I love you. I'm happy that you're here. It's better than on the streets. You got a big comfy bed. Um, live your life, man. We're happy for you. Uh, we love you. Be part of the family, but you got to make sure that you're rule setting and your boundary setting, and you're making sure that the dog understands that there, there is rules and, and structure in life. Again, it's like if you adopted a kid that maybe went through it, um, and then you bring them to your house and you let them do whatever they want. They can sleep in, they can watch whatever they want. They can drink whatever they want. They can eat whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. You're going to create an absolute monster, right? I mean, everyone can, that, that, that path is likely, uh, that that's going to happen, right? which unfortunately, you know, it's, it, it happens, but anyway, so rules, boundaries. So things I would be working on is again, like thresholds, putting a dog to a, to a door, having the dog stay or sit and then breaking the dog out as well as, uh, you know, adding the dog to a place command. Uh, you know, the, the, the course that I have, um, uh, the no bad dog Kickstarter course is a really great course to start with on how to introduce rules and boundaries at a very fundamental level in order to get your dog in the right path. And uh, that course is also linked in the description below. Um, but yeah, that's what I would recommend is like rules, boundary setting, uh, working on your obedience, not giving the dog free range, making this dog's world a little bit smaller. He doesn't, you know, again, it's like very unhealthy for this dog to have no rules and like regulations and just be this free for all feral dog. And then all of a sudden give him everything um, w without understanding, like it's just not healthy. So um thresholds, boundaries. Um, yeah, that's what I would start off with. And that way when people come over, you're like, Hey man, go to your place. I got this sit, stay. That way the dog's not like, I got this mom. Cause I've never had something. I've never had somebody like you in my life that loves me so much and takes care of me. So I got to protect you at all costs. Cause you don't know what you're doing. And the reason why the dog may think that you don't know what you're doing is simply because you're not putting in the work with the dog to teach the, and, and I hate saying this and I hate the way it comes out, but it's not about like you're in control and you're handling everything and controlling everything. It's more about the dog just understanding that like you're going to handle situations. You're the adult, you're the human. He doesn't have to worry about it. And the way that the only way that you can really do that with a dog is by teaching them with you and him, you teach him. Like I go first, I tell you to break, I tell you to stay like all these things. So um, yeah. Anyway, I hope that it helps. Keep it, keep us updated. Uh, Karina, the mermaid five-star review. Always love your podcast. My dog is scared of the e-collar. I'm not sure where I went wrong. I use, I use positive reinforcement with treats when first introducing it. I use the obedience commands and rewarded him with treats when we use it. He is good with his commands on the e-collar as well. Uh, off the e-collar, I should say. I, I wanted the e-collar for the off-leash training. The remote is not on a high level. I have it at a nine. This is the level he responds. We're making excellent progress on recall, but suddenly he seems afraid of me uh, in the collar. I've been letting him off-leash with it on a path in the neighborhood, and there's no one around, uh, and he always comes back. When I hit the nick and called his name following by the treats and release command, tonight I tried again, and he ran away in fear. I had to press and vibrate and hold him uh, to get 
to come back. I've used the vibrate option to deter his reactivity towards other dogs and walk. And I say, leave it as he builds. I hit the vibrate and he stops. He is not aggressive towards other dogs. Um, so it sounds like the e-collar vibrate is working well for you. Um, but I don't want him to meet every other dog by pulling my arm off. I use a slip lead behind the ears. I've only used the vibration three times when on walks. He's a seven-year-old, powerful, confident, neuter German shepherd. And I don't, and, and sorry, I want him to enjoy his freedom with the e-collar. I have the Tom Davis, no bad dog e-collar. I would say, um, here's what, here's what happens often. Well, first of all, um, these things aren't common, but these things definitely happen. Uh, and, and it's a process that you have to just, this is where like experience comes in and I can understand like how frustrating they could be, how scary it can be. Um, but I think it's important for you to, really understand that like, um, you, you have to make sure that the, the training that you're doing, because to me, a nine is like the highest I'll ever go on a conditioning level. Like I never get that high in conditioning, but again, like, uh, you know, if you look at my course, I talk about, you're not looking for your dog to necessarily like physically respond to something. All you're trying to do is like, if your dog is you want to go below these things. And I would say that it's likely that your dog doesn't understand the behaviors that well enough for you to be working on these things just yet. Um, and I could be totally wrong here, but just like from what I'm seeing right here is like the remote collar on his level nine, cause he responds to that. But again, like I'd be very interested to, to like, know what do you mean? He responds to that. If he's physically responding to that because you're seeing him respond, then that's too high. And that's why this this is happening. A nine is a very high conditioning level in, in my experience. Um, but it says, I'm just reiterating again, like we're making excellent progress on recall, but suddenly he seems afraid of me and the collar. So sometimes I've also seen this is, and this could, this could be it, but sometimes I've seen the e-collar not positioned on the dog's neck properly. And you'll go a week or two weeks training a dog in a remote collar and it has never actually worked. And really, if you're doing good remote collar training, you're not really going to notice anything other than the light turning on in your remote collar and understanding that the dog is feeling the sensation as you're doing great obedience training with your dog. That's really what it looks like. So sometimes what I've seen is the collar isn't sitting on the dog's skin. And sitting on the dog's properly sitting where there's contact points, where the dog is understanding and getting this information. Like if you plugged your charger in and it wasn't plugged in all the way, it's not going to work. So sometimes I've seen this where you'll spend a week or two weeks on conditioning. The collar's never been snug enough to actually connect with the dog. And you're using a level nine, which again, can be kind of high. And then all of a sudden you go outside to do recall and the dog turns their neck a certain way. And they get a stimulation on a nine and they head away from you because they're scared. And that's normal and that's common and that's likely to happen if you do it that way. So I don't, I'm not saying that's exactly what had happened, um, but that could be happening. I literally had like seen that happen before where a dog, the e-collar is not fit properly. It's not sized properly. It's not snug. And then the dog just moves a certain way and then all of a sudden you're using it on recall and it it, it stims them on a nine and then they run away because they're like, what the hell is this? And of course, like, um, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing. Um, and then the other thing is, is like, it could be just your dog 
gets an opportunity to run away, right? So your dog is far enough away from you. And, and again, like if you're doing e-collar training, I, 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 I hate saying this because I don't want to sell you, like try to sell you guys on something. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to just help you guys out. But like I developed a remote collar training course. I put 12 hours of footage into it. We made it like less than a two hour course. One of the biggest things that we talk about is making sure you never let your dog off leash until they're fully trained on the remote collar. And if that's what you're doing here is like the dog is completely off leash and you're using the remote collar like that, that you always use a long line, um, for these things, because I guarantee like if your dog just turned away and started running away and then you just caught him on the long line, like you would have, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been, you're not in the position that you're in. You're like, Oh crap, my dog ran away. Like you don't, I don't know. I can't really tell you that your dog wasn't afraid cause I wasn't there and I don't know what he did, but, um, again, I would just say nine is super high. Make sure that your collar is snug in the dog's skin to make sure that you're conditioning properly. Um, highly recommend a remote collar course. Um, yeah, I, I would just say like that's probably what's happening is like your remote collar isn't snug enough and they're turning their head a certain way and you're hitting them on a higher level and they're darting, which makes total sense because that's, that's you know, what you don't want to do. Um yeah, that's my recommendation. I mean, I, I would really take it back a notch, keep your dog on a leash, keep your dog in a situation that they're going to be successful with. Um, don't let them off leash, like until they're very, very, very like well-established with what you're working on. Um, yeah, I would, um, that's what I would suggest highly, uh, take it, take it back a notch and definitely check out my remote collar course. And I'm not, again, I hate that being that guy, but I'm telling you, like, that's going to give you a lot of context of like how things should be going and what you're looking for and how the dog should be responding. But I would imagine that's what's going on. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's just a lot of context there, but, um, take it back, put your dog on a long line, go lower. Cause I, I, I'd really like to know what, like your dog responds. Like that kind of scares me a little bit. Like, what does your dog, res- how, how do you know your dog responds? Like, because when you're e-collar conditioning, you're not, you're not turning in, turn the remote collar up to a point where the dog is like pressured, really. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's, um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, love you guys. Thanks for listening. And I'm going to talk, so this is coming out uh, Friday, tomorrow, so I'm recording this Thursday night, starving, my stomach is growling, Um, had a beautiful podcast with my friend Will Atherton from London in person, which we're launching next week, um, or maybe even this weekend, stay tuned, and, uh, but anyway, I'll put another one out either Saturday or Sunday, so you guys get your two this week, I won't leave you hanging, that's for sure, Uh, all right, you guys, I'll talk to you later, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.